0: Collective Sandbox at Portsmouth Comic-Con 2019. Right, welcome along to uh, Portsmouth Comic-Con Year 2 uh, 2019. Um, hopefully you do um, get the chance to check out a number of the panel rooms uh, this year because we do have a whole slew of fantastic content that's been run throughout the course of the day uh my name is Leonard sultana i run a website called the convention collective which is basically about comic cons con culture and all of the fandoms that we get to enjoy at these various uh, events in running the site it has gotten me the chance to speak to some very cool and interesting people one of which is sat to my rights can you please welcome mr russell walks everybody How you guys <laughs> right uh, what we're talking about today is drawing star wars um it's about the approach to putting this massive mythology um out into the world beyond the various multimedia's the uh, the films the television whatever because we are in that uh, space right now where we have so much rich content coming out of the the mythology and it takes great artists to kind of encapsulate that mythology on on, uh, in art um, not only in commercial art, which is I think we're we definitely going to be mm-hmm. talking to yourself in that regard, but also in comics and also in uh, promotional literature. Um, I think we'll start really with your kind of your background with Star Wars, with anything. What was okay. your kind of your first introduction to so, the world of George Lucas and the rest of it? So I've been an artist for
1: um, really as as long as I've been alive. When I was uh, when I was small, can you, got, you guys can all hear me right no. Okay. Uh, when I was small, before I could before I could even really speak well, I would. Uh, oh, thank you. I would. Um, if I wanted a glass of milk, for instance, I would try to draw. You know, a glass of milk. Um, in America, we have. Um, when I was a kid, we had these paper grocery bags. So when you went to the you know to the grocery store and bought food or or whatever, you'd you'd get a big, heavy, brown paper bag, like craft paper or butcher paper, we called it. And so my mom would cut those into squares, into little sheets, and just leave a stack of them on the counter for me to draw on. So she still has, actually, a few of those. And uh, I live in Montana, which is um, very rural farms, like Yorkshire, I suppose. Yeah. Perhaps. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, and... Uh, um, so there wasn't, wasn't a lot to do, not a big city at all, very small. And I was an early reader and uh, uh, read mysteries and science fiction. I had a great librarian at my elementary school who introduced me to science fiction. And as soon as I read the first book, which was uh, a book by Robert Heinlein called Have Spacesuit, Will Travel. And uh, loved,
0: loved, loved, loved that book you didn't Uh, go you didn't start small then no no
1: not really it's scary (laughs) in parts too and um love star trek uh huge star trek fan didn't even know what it was when i was smaller but but grew up with that and then um that was my life really star trek and reading up up until you know 1977 and uh uh i don't think that that we saw star wars we weren't aware you know that that there was anything special about it other than it was just a, another matinee you know at the movie theater but i remember that um it was raining when when we came out and we were in the car and uh, i was with my cousin who was my best friend and my sister and uh my mom and i was already drawing trying to draw Star Wars, on the way home from the movie theater, there was an envelope, like in in America and maybe here too, if you make a deposit at the bank or make a withdrawal, they give you a little white envelope that has your money or whatever in it. And so there was one of those in the car and a ballpoint pen. And so I was trying to draw a stormtrooper or, or something. And... um How old were you we at this point? Uh Like 10, maybe? 9 or 10? And... So my cousin and I were talking about it and how cool everything was, how awesome the Millennium Falcon looked, and how cool the Stormtroopers were. And my cousin said, uh, "I wonder how they came up with that." And I was like, "Yeah, I wonder how they." Came. And that was like uh, when you when you you know hear an epiphany or or seriously, it was like a light bulb went off in my head, and it occurred to me, I put two and two together, and it occurred to me that somebody had come up with that. Somebody came up with that idea, and it was right then that I knew that's what I wanted to do, is that uh, not only did somebody design the Millennium Falcon or uh, the Stormtrooper armor or the Darth Vader's helmet, but that person probably got paid for doing (laughs) that. So that was the first time I ever it, it ever occurred to me that I could... Create artwork and actually make a living, you know, doing artwork. And so, at at you know, like ten or eleven, at that age, uh, I knew that was what I wanted to do. So I uh, took every art class I could take and just and just pursued it from that point. And then we can talk about this as, as we go on if you sure. want to. But as I got as I got older, and I started to think. Um, More about Star Wars than how it was just really cool. How I started, I I, you know, I sort of discovered the themes and the meaning uh, behind Star Wars, and then
0: that led me really more effectively to where I am now. Was Star Wars kind of like then the the gateway into your career? I mean, would really that kind of like got you into?
1: Well, uh, yeah, uh, it was. I don't want to
0: monopolize. I guess I'm the only one here though, right? You are. are. It's very difficult to monopolize when you, in fact, you are the solo guest on the panel. Um, One
1: of, one of the things that, that about Star Wars that, that I think is amazing and is still important is that, um, you know, it's about more than laser battles and, you know, lightsabers. And, As I got a little bit older, and not that I've ever been a really deep, introspective, philosophical person, but as I got a little bit older, I started to wonder about why uh, or what it was in Star Wars that was so... Because everybody likes Star Wars. I mean, uh, it's like American football, you know? Housewives, little kids, older kids, everybody basically likes Star Wars. And so I started to think about what it was about Star Wars that was really cool and why it was so popular. And um, I saw an interview at some point with George Lucas and a guy named Joseph Campbell, who some of you have heard of. And Joseph Campbell was a philosopher and, and I won't get t- too deep here, but just if you remember the name Joseph Campbell and Google him, it's really, really cool. But Joseph Campbell had this idea that uh, there's really just one story. He noticed that all of the myths that 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 we love, you know, that we grow up with, um, are kind of the same from culture to culture. I mean, there's there's um, you know Inuit or, or Eskimo stories that are exactly the same as stories that the aztecs tell or stories that they told in africa and he so he started to research that and he basically came up with the idea that there's really just this one story and we tell it to ourselves over and over and over and over and we change the characters a little bit but it's the same story and the story goes like this and i'll do it super briefly the idea is that there is a single person uh, probably in their teens or just out of their teens and they're living a quiet life in their village or their town or their city or whatever. And something happens to them to shake up their existence. Um, and that occurrence sets them on a journey. And in, in, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a physical journey where they have to leave home, but it's also an emotional and psychological journey. And as they go on this journey, they have a couple of kind of uh, goofy friends who go with them on this journey, and they have kind of like a guide or a a spiritual guide or a teacher that helps them along the way. And Joseph Campbell gave some examples, uh, you know, and I didn't recognize any of the examples he gave, but as I started thinking about it, I started to come up with my own examples. And you guys will recognize all of them. Like Harry Potter, right? Living kind of a crappy life, which we say in America. Yeah. Did you say crappy?
0: We say crappy here.
1: Rubbish. A rubbish life in uh, this this dad brought this, brought his somebody to look at my artwork. This is off the subject. And he's looking, and he's looking, and he goes in, and the dad goes, what do you think of that, Reggie? And the kid goes, rubbish. <laughs> and they just Fair moved enough. on. <laughs> Harsh. So that's an honest young man. So... So there's Harry Potter, right? He's living uh, kind of an unremarkable existence, you know, in the cupboard under the stairs. And he gets an invitation to Hogwarts. And he goes to Hogwarts and he meets Ron and Hermione, you know, his two kind of goofy, crazy friends. Uh, and he has a spiritual guide, Dumbledore. There's Frodo living in the Shire, alone, gets the ring, goes on a journey with his two best friends. And he has Gandalf guiding him. There's Simba, right, who's living a quiet life in, uh, you know, in, what do they call it, the, the plains, or yeah, the Serengeti, yeah, yeah. or, yeah, yeah. and uh, his dad dies, and Simba goes on a journey, and meets a couple of goofy friends, and has Rafiki as a guide, and it's just, you know, there's Luke, with, you know,
0: 3P I've been, I've even been looking at it, for, uh, because I'm a big Dune fan, even Dune. Uh, you've got right. the whole the tropes that are in, in exactly, in there as well. exactly, and so,
1: so Joseph Campbell calls that the hero's journey, and for I don't know five or six years that was enough for me. Just the idea that George Lucas con- con- consciously made this decision to follow this to follow this journey, you know, and have Luke follow this journey. And the great thing about those the, the three movies in the original trilogy is that every single major character was on that journey with Luke. Han Solo became a different person and grew when he was on the journey. Leia became a different person while she was on the journey. Even And, and, and beyond that, you know, Darth Vader, the, the idea of redemption. And all of that stuff really, really appealed to me. And I didn't take it any further than that until I got even a little bit older. And more than just being cool, Joseph Campbell says the reason that... that um, those stories are so important to us is because we see ourselves, you know, in there. And Joseph Campbell says: the idea of the hero's journey, and the reason we love it so much, is because we see ourselves. But the hardest thing to do is to, when we get that invitation, like Harry got invited to Hogwarts, Luke had to take, you know, uh, Obi-Wan to Moss Isley or or whatever. That all of us are going to receive that same invitation at some point early in our lives and the key to living a happy life is to go out on a limb and and no matter how hard it is do that and so um as i got older and i realized that that's where i committed myself to the idea that if i wanted to be that that was my invitation that art was my
0: art was my goal Ah. Well, well, well 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 look who's here Ladies and gentlemen, Tommy Lee Edwards, everyone. Making the, yeah, yeah. the grand entrance. So, okay, well... We saved the centre chair for you. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, dive There in. you go. Okay. So once, once I
1: learned I that, and once hard I, hard once I decided that I wanted house house to make that good. commitment, easing into the day. Yeah. then I sort of kind of followed that hero's journey. And that, that idea of doing that, of going out on a limb when you get that invitation, has sort of that's served cool. me well my whole life. Like... Um, mm. Just to give you an example, it's not just art-based, right? Like, uh, wow. I uh, love Jeopardy, love trivia, you know, all that reading and stuff. So I, I, I tried out for Jeopardy, and I got on Jeopardy.
2: And uh, Am I in the right panel? Yeah. You, uh, you <laughs> it's, fine. It all comes back, buddy. You know, you it
1: all comes back to Star back. Wars. That's what <laughs> we're going to see. And so, you know, sitting in the makeup chair on Jeopardy, my knee is just like, just shaking. The only time I've ever been that nervous is before my wedding. And there was like this makeup lady who was probably 110, you know, and had been, uh, uh, who knows how long she'd been doing it. And she's, she said to me, "Why are you so nervous?" And I said, "Well, I'm going to go out there, you know. There's going to be a million people watching at some point. That's why I'm nervous." And she said, "Well, what could happen? What's the worst thing that could happen?" And I was like, "Well, I could miss all the answers. I could end up with no money, and I could take third place." It would be humiliating. And she said, well, yeah, but is your mom still going to love you? And I was like, yeah, my mom's still going to love me. And so I went, you know, so I went out there uh, like, I don't know, like Luke going back to Bespin. That's how I kind of <laughs> picture it, you know. And uh, I won. You know? I didn't win the next day, but that's not germane to the, to the point of my story. And that's just that, that Star Wars, in addition to art, Uh, In addition to being an illustrator and a designer and all of that stuff, Star Wars has helped me uh, realize that 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 journey that I'm on um, can be successful if, you know, like Luke, right, I try to take a risk. And I think that one of the great things about Star Wars right now is uh, that I have three daughters and... um, we're seeing sort of this cultural shift. That painting right there is kind of a... Is kind of remarks on that. The idea that the women in Star Wars have, have always been... Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say as important, but has always been have always been nearly as important as the men in Star Wars. And now, with the shift, especially as a, as a father, seeing the idea that Rey is an important hero uh, in, in the saga is really important to me as well because I think it's great that they have a... That they have a strong cool. role model, and she and she does that.
0: Okay, so yeah, Tommy, we were kind of talking about your the introduction into Star Wars in terms of uh, career. When it came to actually um, developing a career from uh, into art and uh, bringing Star Wars into that career, I mean, how did that uh, develop for yourself? Uh, was it a case of you were approached to do Star Wars, or did you have that mm-hmm. deep love mm-hmm. to do a Star Wars piece first? I mean, and, and develop from there because I can imagine for many Star Wars artists, there is that first love of the, the mythology, mm-hmm. but then you have to deal with the actual politics <coughs> of doing it on a commercial level because then you have to deal with Lucasfilm and the rest mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. For yourself, what was the route to get into do Star Wars for you? Mm. Well, like, probably what. Russell and most of us
2: have always been fans since we were kids, you know, so um and that one of the things that always had me drawing anyway was Star Wars and I always carried around the Empire Strikes Back sketchbook with all the Joe Johnston mm-hmm. stuff and the and then the Jedi one with Neela Rhodes Jamaro stuff in there as well and everything and all the Ralph McQuarrie stuff and and then um uh, and then Ralph McQuarrie was one of the reasons I really wanted to go to where I went to college Art Center in, in California. is a college that um, he went to. And I was like, well, I'm going to, you know, him and Bob <laughs> Peake went there and, and all the my and favorites. Drew Struzan okay. went there, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so I was like, uh, you know, back when you could make a living doing illustration a little easier. But, um, uh, but anyway, with Star Wars, like actually doing it, Professionally, it was when they were starting to, when they were working on episode one. Um, uh, So this was, what, 97 or something like that. And um, uh, I was friends with Al Williamson, who had done a lot of the original comic book adaptations. Um, And uh, The Empire Strikes Back being, you know, one of the best of any movie adaptation and uh so we would he was approached to do the comic book adaptation for episode 1 of Star Wars and he wasn't up for doing it again just just the amount of work mm. physically mentally everything he so he asked if I would want to draw it and he would ink it i said that would be well of course <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so i had done i hadn't done much with dark horse hardly at all. And I didn't know the editor at the time, Randy Stradley. And so so Al said, Why don't we send them some stuff and you do some pages and, and we put together this really cool package and um long story short, Randy was like, They're not gonna like it. He didn't bother showing it to Lucasfilm. Whoa. I never got the job. And they and went to a really good friend of mine, Rodolfo DiMaggio, who's like incredible. And Al inked him. So I hated Al ever since no, just kidding. Um <laughs> so that all worked out it was cool to see it go to friends, but I was always disappointed that Dark Horse didn't even try to, you know, they just decided. And, and then, so I was like, well, all right, well, so I'll go and, uh, directly to Lucasfilm. And then I talked with, I met, you know, the kind of the right people and art, art department people at Lucasfilm. And they, they put me in touch with people to do, uh, book covers and, book illustrations for Random House and so I started getting a bunch of work and then it was a secretly like you know to (laughs) to, uh, Dark Horse I was like you know screw you guys.
1: So what what Tommy (laughs) Lee says going directly to Lucasfilm is exactly what I did too and that I guess would be the biggest change in the Lucasfilm climate right now. So I I wanted to do a series of trading cards for Tops based on the hero's journey like we were talking about. And uh, I pitched this idea to Topps, you know, 16 cards or whatever it was. And I, I would do this. I would talk about this. And, and Topps said, nah, I don't think so. We're not going to do that. And Topps, it, it turns out that it was Topps that didn't want to do it. It didn't have anything to do with Lucasfilm. But yeah. Topps said to me, uh, Lucasfilm doesn't want doesn't to discuss that. And so I said, well, that sucks. I guess I'm not doing it. And then I started thinking about the hero's journey and going out on a limb. And so I just I wrote this letter, basically, and in the letter I said what, I've, what I said to you guys right at the beginning. Uh, I included a painting of my four-year-old son as a Jedi, and I wrote it directly to George Lucas. And I had, I had done some Indiana Jones stuff for Dark Horse, so I knew I'd never met her, but I knew who Lucy Wilson was, who was the director of publishing, and I had met her assistant, Stacy uh, was her name, mm-hmm. and so I just sent this package to Stacy and said, would you slide this under George's door, and she <laughs> said, she said, okay, and about a week went by, and I got a phone call, and uh, they said, you know, George, George took a look at your stuff, he, he thought your drawing was very well rendered, which if, if, and I don't know George Lucas at all, but from talking to guys like Tommy... He, that's the highest praise you can receive from George Lucas is if something is well rendered, <laughs> you know. And uh, he said, "We're going to go ahead and let you do that card series." So then I called Tops and said, "Hey guys, they changed their mind." And yeah. so Tops was stuck at that point. So I so I got to do the card series. Oh and dear, that's, what a shame.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: And so that's you know, if if you if you think about that, I bet Tommy's and my stories aren't the only ones mm. where where artists have had gone directly to Lucasfilm and those people who were in the in licensing and publishing at Lucasfilm at that point had been with George since you know the days uh, Lucasfilm used to be this company called the Egg Company right and they had this building uh in in San Francisco or in LA I think it was actually and those people had been with him you know from the very very beginning and uh and many of them stayed up until the Disney acquisition when they mm-hmm. when they retired or left the
0: company mm-hmm. yeah. obviously um, Star Wars got it that initial that first uh, comic adaptation all the way back in 77 uh, with that, that legendary uh, running for Marvel but how important do you say for the pair of you that Dark Horse has been in giving artists the platform to, to re- still create work uh, under, into the Star Wars banner how how, how essential has that element been to keeping the mythology going, um, certainly with the expanded universe and with those Dark Horse uh, comics uh, for yourself? I De- think it's probably the best person to start with. Definitely, well,
2: now it's Marvel no, doing it's it, which Marvel, is now because it's it's back uh, in those, Disney, you know, those
0: win- wilderness years. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I remember as a kid, I, I liked the Marvel, there was the comic strip in the paper that Archie Goodwin was writing, yep. and then... With Al Williamson was doing art, and then the original Howard Shaken adaptation stuff, and and then the um, Marvel stuff. It was funny because I was young enough where I was still I called it Tatooine. I didn't know how to <laughs> say the the planet. So and I and I remember I got a comic book cover, and it was like Luke hiding from like a stormtrooper on a do back thing, and and. To something about tattooing I'm like they don't even know what the planet's called. these guys <laughs> suck you know and then um, uh, and then I was like, oh yeah, no, I knew that I knew. That. <laughs> um, but yeah it was I think uh, that comics and stuff is a is a really cool way to always uh, keep the audience engaged and fuel because then for for a lot of us and it fueled our own. Fan fiction and our own, you know, because right. it
0: also introduced a whole bunch of design elements, yeah, as well, which you do still see, kind of reference and mm-hmm. continuing on even today with the, the the latest incarnations. Yeah, and when you're that, young that, enough that, to that Dark still Horse artwork, fueled that. Yeah, that's because the guys, sure.
1: the, the group, the people that are in the story group at Lucasfilm right now, which are really driving the the property for Disney. Are all fan? Are yeah, all, all, all with like it. our age? So yeah. came of age at that point in time. So I'm where, but yeah. where, yeah. So where Dave, you know, Dave Dorman, yes. uh, the Dark Empire stuff, all of that was really in their sort of you know formative years. So sure. so some of that <coughs> stuff is is coming back as well, along with a lot of the stuff that Ralph McQuarrie designed. Yeah, way back in the in the early. Times. Even I
2: just did a sketch for a, an upcoming cover. Um, for Marvel, and it was and it has Darth Vader's castle or fortress right. on it, and um, I found one version that was Cam Kennedy's drawing from Dark Empire, and then a different version which is very, very closely re- looks a lot like what Ralph McQuarrie had designed back for the first Whoa. Star Wars, right. and um, which I didn't even know existed until I was looking through a book a ways back that was just called Vader. It's a big hardcover book, and they have Macquarie's drawings in there of Tharfader's castle. And, um, oh man, it's so cool. Um, <laughs> and, and of course, but then it's like, it's on, then they show it in Rogue One, I think. Right, right. Yeah. So. Um, and that's
1: a, a huge testament to George, right? Because he saved everything. Yeah. Like every, so you can go back, you know, and look at all of that stuff in the archives and see the whole. You know all the influences and everything, which is yeah. which is how, great. How
0: how free were the artists um, back in those days? Do you, I think they'd be
2: more free because, then than they are now. Because I
0: think definitely you have the story team. Yeah, you have the, the that very much that guiding hand that say, okay, yeah. this is how things are going to look. This is how design is going to work. I'm guessing with Dark Horse, it was a little bit more a case of, no, that's your playpen. As long as the, you're not going to. I don't know, kill yeah. Luke. Uh, as long as you're not going to go off and go something, do something stupid, then design becomes a real. I think it was in the in the eighties. It was more there when there
2: was one. Uh, the, even they did an adaptation of "Heir to the Empire." Was mm-hmm. that it? The Timothy Zahn yes mm-hmm. uh, book, and it was drawn by Olivier Vatine. And the designs and everything are so great, but still in keeping with Star Wars. So we saw new planets and new you know buildings, and new ships. But it all felt like Star Wars. That was always the important thing. That's going to be my next question. Was that it all <laughs> felt like, you know, it was from the same design sense. So it, was, um, it wasn't It was until really episode one that things shifted to, you know, then you had the Naboo fighters and things were very different feeling. Before that, and everyone that was... art in, deco kind of... Yeah, and smooth, more organic shapes. You know, before it was How did more, that
0: affect what you were doing as artists at that point? I think it
2: kind of shifted a little... It made it so that, oh, you know, actually, there could be certain different kinds of things, but depending on what time period you are working on. So sometimes it was... So it seemed like if it was post A New Hope, you know, you kind of... Or in that era, like Rogue One, they kind of nailed it. They couldn't put in that episode one, two, three... But even two and three started to shift more. You know, number three especially Mm -hmm. was you know, their ships and everything were more designed based on a lot of, like, World War II aircraft Surface and stuff. detail and... Yeah, and everything was worn and battle-worn and stuff like that, not so polished, you know. Um, and then, but yeah, definitely the stuff, I think probably, like, when Cam Kennedy designed Vader's castle back then, they were like, yeah, cool, that looks great. And or today would have to go through the yeah committee.
0: Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um when it comes to the um, design, uh, obviously we have all these ma- these touchstones. Like I say, we, we were talking uh, about the original sketches, the original Ralph McQuarrie artwork. And I'm always um, remembering the quotes from not only J.J. Abrams, Dave, J.J. said it, but also a number of the other directors, that they didn't start with the script. They started with the design. They started with the artist coming in with stuff. Hmm. And he both J.J. and the other, uh, some of the other directors uh, selling for the original trilogy, they turned around and said, we don't necessarily... We know, we don't, we know what we don't want. We know what we... We'll take it all in. And even George has said, no, I will rubber stamp, stamp what I feel is Star Wars. As artists who are rendering um, Star Wars on a regular basis then, do you have an idea of a sense of what is and isn't Star Wars? Do you, well, do you know I what think, I mean? Is you, yeah, you kind of, well, I the moment you put something to paper, you might, go ah, Tommy shoot. might
1: be able to speak to that more than me because generally what I do is stuff that's already been designed. So right. I'm interpreting work that artists and, and, and designers, and most of what I do is stuff that's already been photographed too. So I, I have to stick really close to that. And if I'm off um, any time, almost any time that I've tried to throw my own Russell Walks flavor in there, that gets kicked back. Really? You know? Yeah. You know. um, uh, I I can give you an example where I did a, I did a piece where I had Vader's shadow sort of looming over everybody, and uh, uh, the remarks that came back from art direction and from the story group were, uh, the shadow is too nebulous. Uh, It needs to be concrete representation of Vader, and I came back, (coughs) and it never works. So, I don't know why I do it just to argue, I guess. But I came back and said, This is what I was trying to do with this. Da, 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 da. And they came back and said, that's, that's a great idea. You can go ahead and do that. It won't get printed. <laughs> so, so, you know. Did you just get patted on the head? I did, yeah. And so, so I think um, they are very, very conscious of this overarching. World, this world that they have, and they want everything to be consistent, and that's that is one hundred percent. I think the Disney influence, and I'm not saying that it is a it is a bad thing at all. But everything needs to be uniform and 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 look like it is coming out of the same spot, unless it's an art book or 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 you're specifically tasked with. You know, a reimagining or something like that, and I don't very often mm-hmm. get in a situation where I'm doing a job like that.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I actually got so s- sick of it that I stopped doing Star Wars for a while. Really? Yeah, I I was doing all these like essential guidebooks and mm-hmm. stuff for Del Rey and Random House, and and um, there was a a, a guy who started working there at Lucas that was particularly. Picky with stuff that I was having such a hard time with. Well, this droid over here in the background can't have that kind of thing on it or whatever, and I'm like, really? I, and I was like, all right, I'm out, um, just because I, I respect what you guys want to do. That's cool, but I, I can't do. Was it. this before or After Tales of the Old uh, Jedi? Um, this was before. This, was... this was this is before Disney. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This was. Uh, I don't. This was before Disney even. Not too long before they bought them, but um, but yeah, I just kind of if you're not like super in that mindset where like okay, so like right now, so I just recently started doing stuff again where I was like emotionally
0: ready, <laughs> and,
2: um, and
0: uh, you know no, okay, because you're doing um, the, you have done the covers by the way, which are very gorgeous for Galaxy's Edge. Yeah if you've not seen these yet I don't think they're out yet but yeah there's I saw one of them there's a couple that's wandering by on the oh I
2: hate that I hate that painting okay we'll get rid of that Uh, (laughs) that that was a kid's book for uh, like Random House that one I'm proud of I just did that one that one I just did for the new series called Tie Fighter I I couldn't guess that title Um, (laughs) but um, that one is fun because it's classic Star Wars so like that one the editor had the concept of I really wanted to do a he wanted to do a piece where it was um you know, a crashed uh TIE Fighter. So this is this is my Star Wars stuff. So for so long I was doing all the if I had to I just I just worked on a video game for Star Wars where I was storyboarding this whole uh, cinematic scene for the game. I was like, cool, and I get the script and everything, and it's I guess Clone Wars and the the droids and the dooku and i'm like yeah again you know now i gotta draw Maze windu again and i'm like you know that's now that stuff's really cool but for me as a kid you know of, of that era i was like god please let me just do a b-wing fighter and you know so now i'm getting to do some of those things and, and do you enjoy
0: the, which i was going to ask which is the best aspect or your preferred aspect of drawing stars is it the the characters or is it the overarching world for me world? it sounds like the hardware is a, a big draw for you it, it is but it isn't like like i just did
2: one that hasn't been released yet that's just tie fighters and star destroyers and the that start blowing up and it's like nuts and there's not one figure in it of person and that's my least favorite one i think i need like so on that one the thing that the subject to me is the pilot at the bottom right Right. that he's he's like oh crap you know um and And you
1: guys can see from a from a critical standpoint everything points to that pilot right Mm. i mean if you look at the if you look at the, the background, it's almost an arrow pointing straight down. If you follow the line of the Tie Fighter wing, I mean, mm. one of the, one of the things that Tommy's doing there. And sometimes we do that without even being conscious that's that we're true. doing that, right? But look at how everything is, and the the lit area is is where the pilot is. Even Tommy's signature is right there. So that you can <laughs> see what the you know what the you know what's weird is I, is I
2: signed it digitally. it's a paint that's done with watercolors, ink, and gouache and stuff. And then I signed it digitally because I I, I hate I hate having to then I'm um, I feel like I'm wrecking it. I do too. <laughs> That's do funny. Too. Exactly. I'm like, ah, oh, I just yeah, mess yeah. it up with my stupid
0: name on there. <laughs> I do want to get into the actual technical aspects of how you do your work in a second. Um, <laughs> I keep but jumping ahead. I know. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get as much as I can in as well. But but but
2: you know the the we were talking about the Galaxy's Edge thing. Yeah. I think the one of them is on there. That is a kind of a new kind of challenge because it's based on. The parks that are the, the Galaxy's Edge Park that's being done, that's one yeah. that's being done at Disney World. And so behind that guy, you see the.
0: How much did, access did you get
2: for? for not hardly any. So, really? So a lot of it was going for, because they were still building it. So a lot of the times when we're working on stuff, it's like when you're working on the movies and they're still being made. So stuff hasn't been quite built yet, you know, and so you go from concept art and kind of going in with a real
0: mist kind of
2: Yeah, so a lot of it is actually, this is one before I had to revise some things, there's a, there's like a little, looks like kind of like a spire on one of the buildings, kind of, kind of between the guy and the tree, Um, and they said, is that a, you can't have a spire on that building, I'm like, okay, I don't know. And then,
0: um, so some some we're of those having, things... We're not having bugs at our theme park. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then one of them, there's another kind of spire, and they said, is that a spire or is that a antenna? I and I said, it. well, which...
1: Which one do I not have to... <laughs> yeah!
0: I, I, duh. <laughs> I'm modified. like,
2: I don't know, which one's okay. They said, a, an, an, you can have an antenna. I'm like, yeah, it's an antenna. So so there is an antenna still, but I had to get rid of this the spire. Um, yeah, that's another one where it's... Uh, um, and sometimes they'll be like, oh, we don't want to show... There's like a ship parked there above Greedo's head. And they said, we don't want to show that ship yet. So I had to go in and take that out. Um, which, luckily, a lot of those revisions I can do digitally. Um, but it's just even painting the, you know, Imperial...
0: Whatever that thing is called. Um, <laughs> I just lost my... No, so don't okay. worry about it. Uh, um, I did an interview with John Cassidy, um, who was the artist on the... Uh, the Marvel run of Star Wars um, a couple of years back uh, when uh, Marvel reacquired or when Marvel acquired uh, the whole deal happened. Jason Aaron wrote it, John Cassidy did the artwork and I spoke to him about um, drawing the characters and drawing certainly the legacy characters Um, so you had Luke, uh, Han, Leia etc. And we were talking about um, photo reference uh, to get that characterisation, that face right and I said so how do you kind of make sure that that works when you're trying to create a new camera shot, a new camera angle? You say, well, thankfully, there's a lot, of camera, a lot of photographs of these characters, mm-hmm. so I'm okay with it. But obviously, those you can't keep just referring to the photo reference. It's how, tough. How yeah. does that work for yourselves in terms of painting so that the the, the characters still come through and people still recognise them as... I'm super, I'm super dependent on photo
1: reference. I yeah. mean, if you look at my stuff, you can see that it's almost photorealistic. It's all pencil-based, but it's still really close to photorealistic. So I have, um, I have a closet full of costumes, and I have a wife who doubles as Leia and Ray and whoever, you know, whoever I need her to be. Lots of buddies who put on robes and helmets and, and that kind of stuff. And then, in addition to that i i mean there there are there is a bank of reference that uh that you don't see online you know that I have access to as well lots i think mm. I, I think actually they Happy. took they shot more photos uh for episode four than for just about just about anything else there' mm. are so many black and white photos available for that but since disney uh even if you're working on a licensed product for a company that has a long-term relationship with Lucasfilm, uh, if you're doing something Episode Nine-based, the bank of reference they give you to work from is almost, you know, non-existent, Whoa, and it is okay. watermarked, and it is, and they, and mm, that's yeah. just what you need. Yeah, they to sent me some stuff from the from. new
2: park that had watermarks. It's the yeah. first time I've actually had that with Lucasfilm. I, have the, I think that's maybe newer since Disney. Oh, water, for sure. Watermarking yeah. things. I've so never had that before. It's it's
1: it's really bureaucratic in the sense that it doesn't matter if you've, you know, like to come in your eye, if you've worked for Disney or Lucas for 20 <coughs> years, uh, if you've never leaked an image, because they would know they've got, I, I mean, those images are so, not only are they watermarked, they've got, you know, data, I don't know what they call it, but yeah, little like data, little metadata things hidden inside there, and so... So, like, if you saw the uh, the other thing is, you can always tell if it's if an image is leaked, like that episode nine image that's floating around now with the red stormtroopers and, and that kind of stuff. You can sort I of seen it. I haven't. T- <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, can, you can sort of tell or they by Disney. Luke's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> you can sort of tell by Lucasfilm or Disney's reaction if it's real or not. And I'm, I'm not going to comment on whether it's real or not, but you can you can kind of tell. But they know. Immediately, who, where that image came
2: from. Oh, that, that mm. Boba Fett that was up, mm-hmm. that was um, a guy named Chris Bartlett, who um, is a really famous, I guess, cow's player is what you yeah. could say, but, but he gets hired by Lucasfilm all the time to appear as uh, C3PO, as certain characters. He's, you know, been in, you know, at events like Star Wars right. Celebration or, you know, whatever whenever, if it's not. Anthony Daniels is usually him, and so he used to live in North Carolina where I live, and um, that's, he posed for me for that of Boba Fett. So yeah, that was, you know, just, you know, who has a Boba Fett costume. Right, exactly, and that's the great thing about the
1: internet, when we started out, there wasn't that necessarily, or for me anyway, there wasn't, there wasn't really that access, so it was super, super tough. In fact, when I first started, uh I would call Lucasfilm and say, You have any sand SAM people photos? You mm. know, I did a series of plates for the Hamilton collection and, and uh so they would actually send me a folder full of black and white eight by tens, you know. So you would make an order, they would look at their transparencies, then they would print eight by tens based on those transparencies and send them.
2: I used to share a to, studio with Howard Chakin and who had drawn the first adaptation and so he had Howard, a, who? Yeah, who was that?
0: <laughs> you, do you want to pick that up? Yes. <laughs>
2: and yeah, and he had folders and folders full of contact sheets and mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And it, the usually lots of times, even though it was just a contact sheet, there was enough info there from the you know negative that it printed on there that we could then scan it in and blow it up. Yeah, and see it great, and it was perfect reference of a shot that like. Almost nobody had seen, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh man, we got this great you know, angle on the cantina, or you know, whatever that we all know, but seen from a completely different way. And that's always the hard part. Like there was a painting I did in one of the guidebooks where it was Obi Wan giving the lightsaber to Luke, and it was like everybody's seen this a thousand times, you know. So, so, but it was like, yeah, how do you do it a different and way? And you know, and, or, and I yeah. think it worked out pretty well, and it was. If, if My favorite one of the book. If that's something you guys
1: are interested in, those stills, that's that—that's becoming sort of a, a popular market right now. So you can go to eBay or, or something like that. There's Raiders of the Lost Ark stills or Star Wars stills, uh, you know, and there's like a little secondary market for those. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine are like little treasures to me. I, I was going to say not...
0: do, you, do you pull from outside yeah. of Star Wars for your photo reference? Do you go to Raiders? Do you go to. Um, well, Blade uh, Runner. Do you go to anything that um, to I think comparison. I have done that before, yeah. right? Yeah, so just oh, a different sure. camera angle, just a for different...
1: sure. Especially, especially with the new, with the newer films, because uh, you know there's eight gazillion shots of Daisy Ridley, and that that is actually one of the things, one of the caveats or, or whatever that you hear from Lucasfilm now is make sure that this is Ray uh-huh. and not Daisy, or make oh, sure. sure that this is Finn and not John right. Boyega, which then the leads me.
0: I declare that we should have no <laughs> <in panel laughs> <room> yes <laughs> we we shall, hammer we shall have a word about we have this Roy in, panel room two, we have in, in is that in this one uh, Roy Thomas, Thomas is after
2: this yeah, yeah. Mm. Thank you very can wait. we will just keep going and on the main stage,
0: Genius class for under 12. That's our Jedi Genius class for under 12. That's and that's on the, main stage, the I
1: main wonder why they went with Jedi Juniors in instead of
2: Junior 12. Jedi. <laughs> ah.
1: I thought it said Jedi 12. Genius. Oh, maybe he did. I, I don't know.
2: Or is Jedi Genius with a J? <laughs> that's a
0: good question. A um, good question. The <coughs> question I wanted to go into, and by the way, I do want to get some questions from you guys as well, because so, for the final five, I do want to get some QA from the people. Can you okay, guys, see your guys. shirt?
2: What is on there? Ah, cool. Yeah, very nice.
0: As Arsis, what is the relationship like with Lucasfilm uh, and Disney now? In comparison to how it's been in previous years, is it any easier uh, to actually get things cleared and to, like you say, get access uh, to stuff? How? What's the communication like? Is it any better? I think it's pretty good, but I I don't know about Tommy. But I am terrified of.
1: Ticking off some nameless person that I don't know mm-hmm. at Disney. So, man, if they uh, if they say jump, I'm like, how
2: high? How high can I jump for you, sir? You know, well, even like how I mentioned that I kind of stopped doing this stuff sure. because I know that I didn't take it personally. That, that you know, he was saying, oh, right. that certain thing has to be. That's what his job is. That's what their his or her position is: is to make sure that they're making a cohesive
0: world Image, for everyone. Yeah.
2: And sometimes some people are more angled more like towards artistic expression and some aren't, you know. Um, so, you know, so it's, I think just I had gotten worn down after a while. So now I'm dealing with those same people now. Um, so it's not like a completely changing of the guard, really. Is it
0: a unique experience in doing <laughs> that? Because um, do I can imagine there's <laughs> there's artists, there's comic artists, there's. Uh, you know card what's artists, nice? And then there's Star Wars artists that have to jump through all these hoops. But usually, you don't have to deal with a huge committee of
2: people. Right. It's usually like, even if you're working with an editor at Random House or Marvel or Dark Horse or whatever, they're, they are dealing with the people at Lucasfilm. And usually. <laughs> Because I was the stuff I was doing for Galaxy's Edge, there's a little more involved because there's Disney Imagineering is involved because they're building the park and you know so. But with with um, other movies I've done licensing stuff for, it's been a complete nightmare because like the first Harry Potter movie, when I was doing concept stuff for the first movie, it was pretty easy because it was just kind of doing whatever. As soon as I started doing stuff that was going to have to be released to the public, yep. and used for marketing and whatnot, then it was like. 15 people at Warner Brothers then I would go to the actors then it would go to J.K. Rowling you know it was like a nightmare you know that, that's, that that's, was compared to that, well, that I think the, I think the reason
0: why I asked is because that's when you stop becoming an artist and you end up being an administrator yeah. I Game did a of bunch Thrones of stuff is a great example of that right are they, are they like all
1: that? of the all of the actors and actresses in Game of Thrones retain the rights to their own likenesses yeah.
2: so Star Trek is like that too Star Trek where, is like that too, where you know I mean you Chatner's people yeah. they are gonna tell you, you know, I mean the worst, best, <laughs> <laughs> is when I was doing a bunch of stuff for Men in Black 2 and there's a pug with a suit, where a Front. suit. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and I did a bunch of paintings of this pug. And I was on set taking photos of him for my own reference. So sometimes if I knew the people well enough I could just go there. And I would do paintings of this dog and then the dog's agent called me and said, there's too much purple in his muzzle. He doesn't have any purple on his face, you know? So I was like, it's just brown well, fur. A, yeah, so, but the way a, I had lit it, there was some purple sure. coloring it like, you know, on that painting yeah. So right now, that, you know, there's no purple on yeah. Hammerhead or whatever his name is, yeah. you know, so I'm like, <clears throat> you know, so yeah. So yeah, pleasing the dog's agent was kind of the- That's a phrase I, I didn't got, expect yeah. to hear <laughs> Anyone else? Any um, questions? Or yeah, do we I, have think, no, I
0: think we've got time for some questions. Um, by all means, hands up and let us know. Let's go. It's, it's interesting. I mean, Drew Russell, you're talking about working from photo reference. Obviously, there's a big push at the moment to remove the sort of animation. We've seen the sort of rebels and uh, the funnels coming back. No photo reference work. Is that something you'd be interested in? Well, no, they, they, they want,
1: want you. Well, the interesting thing is if they if they hired me to do rebels work, they would want the people in rebels to look like my style. So I would have to... Somehow, a good example of that is if you saw Jason Palmer's mural at Celebration in Chicago. You know, he did an eighty-foot bastard, eighty-foot <laughs> mural. You know, from the beginning.
2: From hey, the beginning between us, the, I got offered that and turned it down. Did Whoa! You? Yeah. Okay, uh,
1: I got. I didn't get offered it. I Don't got tell asked anybody. to submit, so I sent Doug Chang some. some well, samples, I told Doug that it was hear, too much work for one person. Back, yeah. Mark Ratt, We should the guy all have been we working we on it. Yeah, yeah, but. Anyway, and then, at, and then he comes along and does it. Yeah. No, yeah, look at, well, you know. If you, <laughs> look at Jason's, if you look at Jason's piece, you can see that, uh, like, the Rebels characters and the Clone Wars characters are all done realistically. And to get back to what Tommy oh, and I, didn't I didn't see were that. talking about before, I he at. used uh, cosplayers. And, oh, And yeah, Thrawn is actually, if you, <laughs> this bugs Jason like nobody's business, but if you look at Thrawn, it's Pierce Brosnan. And so I spent an hour looking through Google
0: photo reference. There it is. But, but, There's the picture. But the internet went nuts because I thought, what a Yeah, great. yeah they, thought like it was a, they thought it nuts. was a hint. And it was Excellent. just Jason
1: working late at night looking. Oh, shoot. I, I don't know I, how he did that. that I guess. Works. Yeah. He, what he, is the
0: turnaround mostly for nuts. That's It's is horrible
2: it now. Horrible. Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah, that one was crazy quick. And that's why I told Doug that they should have a different... Person do each a team. Year. I think yeah. they had Pro-which talked about there. that yeah, yeah.
1: originally too, you know, because Mark rats and. But it's 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 completely ridiculous now. You have to work digitally. I don't even. I don't like to work digitally. That was going to be my but last question about. There's the no. Business, you have so. no other option. They they will give you a job and say we need this. You know they'll talk to you on Monday, and say we need comps on Wednesday, finished artwork on Friday, and you. It's there's, eight thousand. 19 22 23 year old kids out there who will do that or try to do that you know and and so you just have to you just have to suck it up i'm doing a project uh an episode nine project for a a large non-lucasfilm company with a tie-in and it's just the the and they're they're actually in the uk and the the deadlines are just
0: what are you doing here what the hell are you doing? I, I don't
1: know. I worked on Easter Sunday, so I could do this, you know. Jeez. And it's um, and to get back to what you were saying so, about the about the approvals, the this product. Okay, so there's Lucasfilm and this company, and this company hired a design firm to hire a design firm right. to put together. So so it's me, three art directors ahead of me, another art director at another company, mm-hmm. and then the company. And then
0: Lucasfilm. I mean,
2: just... That's like it is on the video game I mentioned. There's the people I work with at that game company, but they're really just doing the animation for a different game company that's doing it for Lucasfilm. I did Battlefront Battlefront Two stuff Mm.
1: for... uh, I did it for Sony, you know, but the property is EA. And
2: then, you know, that has to go through Lucasfilm. Mm -hmm. And and so... Yeah. But yeah, usually it's that art director that you're working with, they get to work with the other people, right. and, and if you have a good editor or art director or somebody, they sort of filter everything down guy. into okay, here's the gist of it, and you yeah. don't have to be on meetings and
0: everything. That's their job. So you can hopefully just be working. Fair enough. I think we've got time for maybe one or, just one or two really quick questions. We've got one, a hand in the back, sir. What's your digital um, setup? What's your, yeah, what's your digital setup? Digital that painting right
2: now that's showing that's a that's all, and so is that. Those are analog, but but I'll use Photoshop to I made his lightsaber glow a bit more and stuff like that. Um, but I technically, but when I do work digitally, it's mostly like this. The video game thing I did all digitally, and I use a Photoshop on a Cintiq tablet. I do
1: a, I do a full value black and white pencil drawing for almost every single thing I do. And you can see a lot of that. And then you scan then it in? I Sorry, scan we have it. not
0: been showing you. Right, yeah. yeah, and then I, yeah. I
1: either scan it, uh, well, I always scan it, and then I print it, and if I have time, I print the scan and paint on top of that with transparent acrylics or watercolors. If I don't have time, I, uh, I color it digitally. And then, again, uh, Kylo Ren's lightsaber for instance has to look a specific way you that's you can't exaggerate that I mean it has sparks that go off in a certain spot and that kind of stuff so any artistic interpretation there still has to hue really closely so it's 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 not really worth a gamble so if you look at that big piece that 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 triptych that comes up that lightsaber is 100% digital just because the the time frame was such that it wasn't worth gambling Mm -hmm. like you can see how much different that lightsaber is than sure. than the other lightsabers which are actually all um, theoretically all the same lightsaber right mm-hmm. with the exception yeah. of obi-wans i mean it should look the same mm-hmm. all the way okay. across
0: any last question we have one over here <coughs> <coughs> yes so bearing so obviously
2: you get a lot of pushback from sometimes
1: from obviously the companies that you're working for work, work with, because obviously they want things to look a certain way do you find that Post-release of any of your work, that you get a certain sort of amount of pushback from the community, then maybe don't necessarily mm. because obviously everybody sometimes has their own and their I've had
2: that. Yeah. yeah, relationship yeah.
0: relationship with the fans. Absolutely. One yeah.
1: one huge, uh, this piece right here. He doesn't look like which, that. Which I which I <laughs> which I loved, and I was so proud of myself because I put the women front and center. And this is a little bit related to what you were talking about. And the idea behind this piece is that it's the Skywalker saga. It's the Skywalkers. And all of the people that are relevant to them throughout the series, primarily relevant to them. Sure. Well, you'll notice there's no Lando, there's no Finn, and there's no Rose in there. That's not because I don't like, you know, mm, blacks right. or or Asians, right? It's because that they're not in the picture. So they didn't apply to this part of the, of the saga. And so that that's something that we're having to deal with on a constant basis mm-hmm. now. And Disney and Lucasfilm are doing their best obviously to include, you know, to 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 have a diverse cast, right? And so something that that what am I? A white male, right? I'm the default. So, so it's been a learning experience for me to take into account not only my artistic vision but the fact that there are other people the, the, who, the who love these movies yeah. as much as I do and who want to see themselves It's interesting that in you're that.
0: getting that blowback by doing an artwork based off the casting and sort of like the yeah. interpretation of you know, other people. <coughs> and the, 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 right. the, your, your artwork is basically driven by Lucasfilm and by the films and then you're getting the hard like the, thing is when you do the
2: expanded universe yeah. stuff because there's just enough leeway that it's like, you. sometimes I'll think, oh, cool, so the expanded universe, I can kind of go in my own direction and then sometimes you do and then Lucasfilm is like, no, no, there's this one episode of this one comic from 30 years ago and there's this one panel and I'm like, oh, God. But then, right. then you do something and then you're like, all right, I'm really proud of this and then these fans are like, that's not what they look like. And I'm like, they're, you know they're not real <laughs> yeah. Oh that's the big thing yeah, but, they're not but yeah having, but yeah. The, but to those people they are you and know and you kind of have to remember that like when I was a kid, you know I was like, yeah, this is how I right so yeah. and it's hard it's like when you read a comic or a novel and then you see the movie it's it's a weird hard thing to yeah. switch your brain into it's just a, it's a, it becomes a different thing. I'm having so. trouble
1: with that right now with Star Trek Discovery
0: that's not Spock. Right. Yeah. It's not Pike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's definitely a case of the characters, the mythology, the universe is real for so many of us as fans. Yeah. And you are allowing us to continue that fandom with the work that you do and we continue to... Follow your work and we look forward to seeing <coughs> more from you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you could please, a round of applause. Uh, Russell Waltz and guys. the delayed Tony Jones, Thank you very much.